Welcome to the September 2nd edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast. David Morissuti here. Mike DeStefano, nearing the end of his vacation, he will be back soon. But for today's show, it is all about you guys. I am answering some of your questions that he have posed to me on YouTube and on Discord. So we'll get to those on today's episode. Everything leaves some NHL questions as well. Let's dive right into it. This is the Locked On Leafs podcast, part on the Locked On podcast network your locked on maple leafs your daily podcast on the toronto maple leafs part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hello, welcome to the Locked On Lease Podcast. I'm David Morissuti. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your sports, wagering, and betting needs this season. Mike still is not back from vacation yet. I know he is close. He is close to returning. So I am going to be solo for today's show, but I still have some great content for you as we are going to be taking your questions in our first ever Fan Friday episode. Usually we do a Monday mailbag, but I decided... For Friday, let's do make this all about the fans. So we are going to take questions about the Leafs, about the NHL, all that on today's show. Locked on Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. And now you can catch us on video on YouTube, Locked on Leafs. So this is something that Mike and I have been, uh, you know, we, we try to do the Monday mailbags. Uh, I decided that with Mike not here, I was going to push that to later in the week when I had the, um, when I had David on earlier and then I had some, uh, other things planned for the other shows. So for today's show, we're going to be looking at your questions. I asked, uh, some of you guys to submit them on YouTube. I went to the discord channel. Some of you submitted them there. I also got some requests outside of the, uh, you know, outside of the podcast uh, YouTube channel and on Discord, so I'll look at those as well. And hopefully with this, we're also going to try to add your voice to it. Um, Eventually, we're going to have some of you guys actually hop on and join us for the show, whether that be for a segment, the whole show, whatever you guys are comfortable with. So keep keep an eye on that. We're going to make sure that this is all about you guys, what you guys want. This is what we're planning to do we want content for you guys down the road okay so uh i'm gonna start off with our youtube comments since uh those ones are usually the first ones i look at uh so i'm gonna start off with neil uh hatchet uh, i saw that he asked this initially when i post the the podcast episode about the prospect rankings and he made sure to put it up again so i appreciate that neil and uh it has something to do with the prospect uh nick robertson so i'll read the question here do you think robertson will make an impact on the second line this season it's a great question because you know the first obvious one is what's the future like for alexander kerfoot right is it for him to be on the second line or is Alexander Kerfoot destined to not be with the Leafs to start the season? We've seen that he's likely to be the one to be traded if anything were to happen. So I'm I'm very curious to see where that goes. Um, so when it comes to that with Robertson, 
I think he can have an impact on the second line, but it has to be planned, in my opinion. You know, I, I think for like for the longest time, he's been up and down, used in so many different ways. I, I think they got to give him a defined role, right? He's shown that he can produce at the AHL level. Yeah, he's had injuries. It's kept him out of the lineup, but he's been able to produce at the AHL level. That's always a tough thing when you go from being a top scorer in juniors and then you're asked to replicate that the AHL. We know, yes, he is not the biggest player. I get that. But short players can still be very productive, um, you know, in the NHL. So it's not the size I'm concerned about. It's whether or not he can develop the chemistry with John Tavares. And you would assume it'd be William Nylander as the other guy. So I'm not looking for Robertson to go out there and score a bunch of goals and score, uh, you know, put up a lot of points. That that I think would be a little bit too, too, a little bit unfair to ask of him in his first, you know, potentially full season in the NHL. This is why I like Neil's question: Is do we think he can have? Do I think he will make an impact on the second line? He is very much capable of making an impact on the second line. I, I It just all comes down to, is he going to be put in the best position to make an impact, and what's his role going to be? So I, I think if he's the one asked to, you know, be the guy that's in there on the four check, trying to, you know, loosen up the puck, you know, for Nylander and Tavares, help them with the cycle game. I think that's the big one there. Because Nylander and Tavares are really more about the cycle game, um, and that's what what made them very. Um, that's what that was. That's what worked for them a few years ago. I feel like they got away from that a little bit because they weren't as able to really establish a lot of zone time last year. So I think that's something that Robertson has to prove that he's capable of doing. He does have a good shot. Robertson was, you know, perennial goal scorer in the OHL. I think he's got to get back to that a little bit. Um, because, you know, Tavares does like to feed off of other players, try to dish off to other players. Nylander, we know, has a good shot, too. So it's just all about what can uh, Robertson establish, How what type of role can he establish on that second line. So it all really depends on if that's where he's going to slot or if the Leafs are going to put him on the third line and do some juggling there. But that's, that's kind of where I have him right now. He definitely can make an impact. It's just depending on what does the coaching staff have planned for him. And that's usually all, really all it has uh, always been like. All right. Uh, I'm going to move on to my second YouTube question. That's from Corey Parrish. Uh, good morning, David. Lifetime Leafs fan since 91. And we have seen a lot, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. My question, I guess, would be what are the Leafs expectations coming to this season? Aside from winning a first round. We have to make it there first. And I like to know what you think about the Leafs mindset, coaches, player management, and etc. And what else can this team do to improve ultimately or is the plan not to improve? That's the opportunity to ask it. So he also says thanks for the opportunity to ask a question. Always appreciate it, Corey. So my expectations is, is anything but first off, yes, they got to make the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs. That's it. 
like anything that you know that that would have to be the total reset if they don't make the playoffs when it comes to management coaching staff you you don't get a bunch of cracks at it and you don't make the playoffs that's just utter and failure and disappointment first and foremost they have to win around this year like for sure if they don't win around i i'm sorry i like you know you could you could say yeah they lost to tampa last year that that was a series that could have gone either way. They win that game six. I felt like that was their best chance last year to win that game six. And I think they would have done really well, you know, in the playoffs, considering Tampa was the best team out of the Eastern Conference, right? So that's where I think if the Leafs get out of the first round, I think it's going to make a huge difference for this team. But they have to make it out of the first round, right? So... Yeah, the 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 mindset of the players and, and David Alter kind of touched on this on the other the other day, and he felt like you know some of the players the mindset it just wasn't there, right? You know, maybe the maybe the um, how how would it be the best way to to do it? Many of them are like, don't worry, when the playoffs come around, we got this, but. You look at the teams like Tampa, you look at the teams like Colorado, you look at some of the teams that have gone far, they make it a point to do that in the regular season, right? They're not they're not just about, you know, putting up the putting up the production, you know, waiting for the playoffs to just flip the switch. It is very hard to go from one level of play to another level of play. When you've had that established level of play throughout the year it makes a massive difference you notice that so i felt like you know yet last last season leafs started off pretty well right for the longest time it looked like everything was going well goaltending was was really good the defense looked really good minus justin hall and jake muzzin um you know the the forwards were doing pretty well the question i really hear is becoming when does this team finally go on a stretch where they can say, this is going to be our brand of hockey. This is when we're going to be at our best. Okay. So I feel like when it comes to the mindset, yeah, the player's mindset definitely needs to change if they really want to go far, far in the playoffs. Um, it comes down to the best players really setting the tone too. Right. I'm looking at Matthews, I'm looking at Marner, I'm looking at Tavares, and I'm looking at Nylander. You know, we, we saw against Montreal, William Nylander was the best player in that playoff series. Um, maybe maybe that's not what you would like to see, considering he's not the best player on the team, but that's what ended up happening. So that's that's what it mean really it is for me, is someone's got to be able to say, all right, let's let's flip the switch here. Let's get things going a little bit. Let's go on. Let's really start to establish how we want to play in the playoffs during the regular season so that we're not trying to find that playoff form, you know, game three of their first round series. We just, that's just something that can't happen again. When it comes to like coaches and player management, I think like coaching staff, coach, like the coaching staff is tied to the management. Because Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas are just are pretty much joined at the hip, what happens to one is going to happen to the other, in my opinion. I don't know if Kyle Dubas is going to get his chance to hire another coach. Um, 
really only if uh, Brendan Shanahan totally feels that Kyle Dubas can get the job done. I think that it's all about, you know, can can that duel of Dubas and, and uh, Keith really work? And there, that's that's where I think the expectation goes on that one. And you know, we we there's there's going to be again the the talk about you know the rest of the roster, right? You know, can they can they start to find diamonds in the rough? You know, can they can some of the younger guys like a Nick Robertson step up and actually be a contributor on this team, right? Uh, quickly want to look at um, salaries and who's the UFA. Like again, none of the top top players are going to be UFAs at the end of the season, right? Michael Bunting is the only one. Um, because but other than that, you know, there there isn't this like I wouldn't say panic, but there isn't this sense of oh, you know, we have to do this because. You know, William Nylander's on the final year of his deal. Like, that's something, like, they still have another year to really worry about that. But, yeah, I know. The mindset is every season this team has to be competing for a Stanley Cup. That's where they've set themselves up. Whether you believe they are a contender or not, that's the position they are find themselves in right now. So thank you for that question, Corey. I hope what I said makes sense. I think it did. Um... We're going to continue looking at questions. I have one uh, from the, I'm going to save the NHL general ones a little bit later. Uh, I'm going to continue with the Leafs one. Uh, but before we do, we're going to hear from one of our show sponsors, and that is today's title sponsor, betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, games, matchups, news, and podcasts including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued support for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check all your favorite sports and events, including NHL, MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. David Morissuti here. Mike DeSentinel still on vacation, but he is expected to be back next week, or at least he better be back next week. I do miss having Michael John. I'm sure many of you miss having Mike on the show. So we're going to continue with our questions. We talked quite a bit of Leafs in the first block. We still have a few more Leafs questions, and then we're going to get into the more generic NHL questions uh, moving forward. So let's go with uh, actually from our Discord. Uh, we had a couple there from the Discord, so we're gonna focus on those. Uh, we're gonna start with our boy Kebab. Yes, that is the name on his Discord channel, Kebab. He asked me, "What are your expectations for the Tavares line now that he is healthy?" And that that's I think a good one because I I feel like when you consider everything the Leafs went through last. You know, last season, I I still think they had they missed out on a great chance to finish first in the Atlantic, and what kept them back was that the Tavares line did not perform at its best. Um, goaltending, obviously, too, wasn't at it. What you know, there was a few games that they dropped because of the goaltending. So, my expectation to the Tavares line is, you know, they got to be they got to. Sh- I, I feel like Tavares 
didn't even really have a terrible season. It's just maybe not to what we were expecting from a player that was signed to an $11 million a year contract, right? So I think the first things first is they got to be better defensively. Um, they that that makes that's that's you know something with a top line you need or you know a one of your top lines they can't just be an offensive threat they also have to take care of things in their own end sure you're not always going to start them in the defensive end but you want to make sure that that's not going to be an issue for them and they have to figure out a way to get their chemistry back get their mojo back there was something missing on that line. They they tried different things. Kerfoot was there. Ilya Mikheyev was there. They got to really establish. I, I think maybe, you know, we, we talked about Nick Robster being an option. Maybe that's something that would work. But I think they got to figure out a way to try, maybe even try something a little new, you know, try something that's going to kind of rejig things so that they can get that line going. But I think it's all going to start with John Tavares. He has got to be the driver of that line, being the guy down the middle. He's got, I, you know, we saw that he was working on his skating this, uh, this off season, trying to get faster. He's not going to automatically turn turn into like the fastest player on the team. We know that his skating wasn't exactly his biggest strength. He's more of a, a power, you know, guy. He's very strong, really tough to knock off the puck. He's not the the, the quickest guy, but at the same time, this is a player that. <laughs> It was a first overall pick. This is a player that, you know, has put up on that concussion and knee injury. I think the knee injury was actually the the thing that really held them back when you consider, uh, you know, knee injuries do t- tend to, you know, take a lot longer. You know, concussions, that was a nasty hit he took, um, and they can be very unpredictable. I think the knee issue was also something that, uh, kind of limited Tavares, especially in his recovery this summer. So, yeah, my expectations is he's got to get back to being, you know, that that line has to take a little bit of the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Take some of the heat off of that first line. Take some, there's no pressure on the first line to perform because they've been performing and there's not, hasn't really been an issue. But, Teams shouldn't be able to say, all right, we're just going to focus on the top line of the Leafs and make sure that, you know, they're not going to be the reason why we lose a game, right? Tavares, they have to show teams, okay, you guys want to focus on us? We're going to make, you know, we're going to be able to show the you that we can perform. So that that's where I have to be. Like, people have to start respecting that Tavares line a little bit more. But it's up to them to prove it, right? They have to, uh, they have to, get themselves back um, in shape there. I know that some people are worried about John Tavares playing center. I think it's a little too early because really there's no other options to replace them as a center as well. So I think just go with that, go with that for this season, see how it goes. And then, you know, after that, you're, you have to then make the decision on if that's the right fit going forward. So, this is, I think is a huge season for John Tavares. There's been a lot of criticism thrown his way. He puts a lot of uh, high expectations on himself to perform. So I think I'm not worried about whether he's motivated to get himself back on track. So thank you for that question there, Kebab. Um, I'm going to bring actually one of our locked on uh, NHL podcast hosts, uh, JD Hernandez, who is the locked on ducks host. Exciting time to be a uh, 
not only a Ducks fan, but to be covering the team. So, JD, going to be very interested in your content this season. But he asks, how do you see the Atlantic shaking out? Is Florida still a threat? So, you know, Mike and I have talked about the Atlantic division. We went through the odds and how the division will shake out. We never really talked too much about how we, and I also was on uh, the Locked on NHL podcast a few days ago, if you want to go and check that out, where we kind of looked at the betting odds and I brought up, you know, who I think would be the highest, looking at the the points totals, who was kind of overvalued, who was undervalued. So you can go and and listen to that episode, but I'm going to give you some of the thoughts that I had at that time. So. First off, I'm going to bring up the Florida debate. Is Florida still a threat? I don't think they're going to be as much of a threat this season as they were last season. Simply put, that team is totally different. When you make that trade to get rid of Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger for Matthew Kachuk, Mike and I have said, like, Matthew Kachuk is a great player. We we thought he would have been a great player for the Leafs. Obviously, he wanted to go to Florida. Obviously, he wanted a really rich deal that the Leafs could not afford. So, him and him and and uh, Hubert were almost pretty much uh, a swap at this rate when it comes to production offensively. Losing Mackenzie Weger hurts. There's no, there's no debating that. That is a huge loss for the Florida Panthers. Paul Maurice is their head coach. I'm not really sold on Paul Maurice as a head coach. Um, I don't know if that style of his coaching is going to work in Florida because, you know, it's going to be a similar issue that they had in Winnipeg, which was they don't have the depth on the blue line. And, you know, you go from having Connor Hellebuck as your goalie, Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah, Sergei Bobrovsky was once a Vesna-worthy goaltender. He hasn't really been that the last few years. I mean, he hasn't really been it since he joined Florida, to be fair. His best season was last was was um, last season where he put up a nine thirteen save percentage, which is league average. Um, so, like that that's that to me is why I'm not too not too worried about Florida. And th- they also went out and added a bunch of things at the trade deadline, and then they lost a bunch of things because they could not afford to keep them. Right? They don't have Claude Giroux. They don't have uh, Ben Sherratt. They don't have a lot of the players that made that team into a Stanley Cup contender. But what happened was they were a team that relied heavily on scoring. But then defensively, they weren't. I mean, there were a lot of games that they just outscored opponents. And then when the scoring dried up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, they didn't have they couldn't dig. They could not find the answer like. So to me, I think Florida is the one that takes the biggest step back in that division. I also think the Boston Bruins are not going to be as good of a team, in my opinion, simply because Brian Marchand not going to be there to start the year. He's going to be out with an injury. We'll see how he bounces back from it. Charlie McAvoy, probably their most important player, is also going to be out to start the season. That's two big players you're not going to have. Yes, they brought the Bergeron still there. They brought back Krejci. Uh Montgomery as Jim Montgomery as the coach is not exactly something that I'm very confident about. So, yeah, I'm uh, 
I'm not too high on the Boston Bruins either. I, I think there are some, yes, the Atlanta division is getting better. There are teams that are certainly improving. The Ottawa Senators, hate to say it, but they did get better. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, they've been improving as well. But I do think that that comes more at the cost of Florida and Boston than it does the Leafs and Tampa. Even Tampa losing Ryan McDonough, that was a huge loss for them. And they still have to make moves in order to get themselves under the cap. Yes, I know that they have, I think it's uh, Pat uh, Brent Seabrook's contract. That will help it uh, in a way. Uh, I'm just thinking what other contracts. They, they'll likely have to move some other players to make that whole thing work. But yeah, I, I think uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be between the Leafs and Tampa for top of the division, right? Um, that being said, it also the Leafs do have some question marks themselves. Like it's not a foregone conclusion that they finish first in the Atlantic either. But I think, given what happened to Florida this season, I'm not as high on them to repeat as the division uh, favorites. I do think the Leafs are more are better set up than florida to take the uh top of the division so i actually had another question brought to me by another locked on uh, host and this is from ross levitan from locked on centers who we are planning to do a crossover but that's gonna be closer to the start of the season maybe around training camp time um this is something we like to do we like to cross uh between all the uh shows right there so his question was, how many games will Matt Murray play this upcoming season? Which is actually a really good question because it's been a tough time for Matt Murray. Since he started a, a career high 50 games in the prior two seasons, he played 49 and 49. He's played 38, 27, and 20 games. So he hasn't played more than 40 games. Now, lockout, uh, not lockout, COVID shortened season. You know, you're not going to play full. Last year was the only full NHL season we've had the last few years. So still 20 games. He has had concussion issues. I know that's that's something that's a concern for a lot of people. I'm going to go. Um, and look, even Jack Campbell had his injury concerns last year as well. So I'm it's this is not something the, the Leafs are unfamiliar with. This is not, you know, unfamiliar territory for the Leafs. So I'm thinking maybe 35 to 40 games is where I'm like the minimum for memory. I think that that's roughly the range, 35 to 40. Um, let's not forget that it wasn't just injuries that forced Matt Murray to play 20 games. It's also that they did not even want him to play in the NHL at times last year that they went with Anton Forsberg. They right. Matt Murray did not play his full the full season in the NHL. So I, I think 35 to 40 games is a comfortable range for me for him, even though it might it might seem like a, a bit of a long shot, but I think that's roughly where they go. And that's this is why they brought in Ilya Samsonov, right? Ilya Samsonov is a guy that has played at least you know a fair his fair share of 1a 1b he played 44 games last year for washington i'm gonna assume he's gonna be in roughly that range maybe a little less i think matt murray if he's healthy he will get the bulk of those games whether i think he's gonna do the 49 games that jack campbell played last year that's tough to see 
if he it's only tough to see if he isn't healthy. If he is healthy, I think Matt Murray will be in that, you know, 35 to 40 range minimum, maybe closer to, you know, that 50 that he played with Pittsburgh if all the health uh, is on his side. So I think uh, that's that's the key there for Matt Murray. Okay, uh, we're going to take another short break. And when I come back, I do have, it's a very interesting question posed by one of our, uh, one, one uh, of our discord. Uh, I, I was trying to figure out the way that we, we, we call them. I don't really know if we have a nickname for them, but one of the people on our discord channel actually asked me a really good question about the NHL. Just in general, you're not going to want to miss this. I've had some very strong opinions on this. Uh, so we'll do that. Plus a couple of other general NHL questions. When we come back before we go away. Let's hear from one of our show sponsors, and that is the NHTSA. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. Not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Different. Drive high. Get a DUI. Welcome back into the Locked On These podcast. Uh, so let's move on to a question that I thought to be very intriguing. This was posed by Canadian Ranger. Um. He, he wrote in our Discord, least fan here since 1978. That goes quite, quite a way back for me. With recent comments from free agents and other players in the league about the salary cap promoting teams to tank and take on salary for draft picks and potential type players coming back in return, yet they never seem to get better. Are we that far off from the salary cap being dumped for a luxury type tax system being brought in if a team exceeds it and he also notes gary bevin should be done in a few years and retire and once retired hopefully this will change yeah i think as long as gary bevin is the commissioner of the nhl the hard salary cap system will remain i don't think he has any interest in you know the way that the, the current system is to change that it does help the teams who are not able to compete with the top teams in the league to at least make sure the gap isn't that far off. But as, as a Canadian Ranger mentioned, that's not what the salary cap is being used for by these teams. It's pretty much you have a bad contract or you have a guy that you can't really afford, send them to us uh, along with some draft picks and we'll hold, we'll, we'll take that on. No problem. So, I don't know if I'm Gary, if I'm a fan right now and, you know, Gary Bettman talks about not wanting to make those changes because of parity, I would be asking him, okay, so then the league is okay with what the Arizona Coyotes are doing right now with the way that they're, you know, hoarding contracts and not really pushing to be a better team. Right. I, I, I just think that, you know, the South and look, this is not just because the Leafs have had a hard time with the salary cap. First off, the Leafs are not the only team struggling with the salary cap you got vegas you got tampa uh you, you got 
even like, you know, teams like the Rangers would like to spend more. There are so many teams that would like to spend more than they currently are, but they can't because of the hard cap. And it doesn't lead to the best product on the ice, in my opinion. I I think that when you look at, you know, and he brings up the luxury tax, that's, you know, baseball, that's, you know, the NBA. When it comes to baseball, the luxury tax, there, there are teams that are, you know, very conscientious about wanting to go to that luxury tax because it's expensive. Like, it's not just a foregone conclusion that you go out and you spend X amount of dollars because that tax is is quite a pretty penny to pay, especially if your team is not going to be getting in those uh, the playoff revenue that will kind of help offset that, right? And even in the NBA, the problem I have with comparing to the NBA is in the NBA, you still have those teams that will just hoard all the draft picks. I'm looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Utah Jazz. Um, Like these teams will take picks, 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 not really pay the players, and they're 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 okay with that. Um, so it, for the in the NHL's case, it would be great if they provided some sort of cap benefit. I think more so if a team is trying to sign a player that they have drafted and developed. And given the way that the current market and the current landscape of the NHL where certain players get paid a lot more than a lot of other players, like there is not much more of the middle class anymore in the NHL. It's it's not you don't see that as much anymore. It's a lot of teams paying their good players a high salary and then looking for bargains elsewhere. And like other than that, and really, if you're the NHL PA. You're not a fan of that. You're not a fan of, you know, players having to fight for scraps in a way, right? Or have to wait for a team, you know, wait wait up until almost the, the start of the season for certain guys to get a job because teams can only give them one or the league minimum to $1 million, you know, and, and, and it's very un, it's very unfortunate that that's because of the hard cap system. I, I know that a lot of agents do not like the hard cap system. I mean, why would they? They want their players, their clients to get to maximize everything. Um. So, yeah, I would like to see the NHL adopt some sort of luxury tax system, but I think it has to be done in a way to help teams retain the players that they have drafted and developed because that's an investment that they've made. And they should be able to benefit from the investments that they made there. So that that's kind of where I am on that. I I I also think that you know I look even how the how the NFL they kind of have a hard they do have a hard salary cap there, but there are they do the the way that they do their contracts. You know they can restructure contracts so that the cap hits can be kind of deferred a little bit. So if they have a good player and then they want to you know restructure the deal so that their cap hits lower, but then they it comes into a penalty later in the years. It gets very messy when they do that. Like NFL salary caps, if you look, it's a disaster to look at sometimes. But it allows teams to keep their core t- players together. So I think that's where I am on that. 
I am of the belief that the NHL, the hard cap system, will really hurt this league down the long run. Because unless you're, unless there's going to be steady growth in the salary cap growing up and going up, and look, I know the COVID pandemic put a hard, harsh halt to any increase in the cap, but there is new revenue coming in right now, and yet the NHL cap has only gone up in increments of like a million dollars. If I'm if I'm a team right now, or if I'm you know looking at this potential salary cap going forward. I need some assurances that there's going to be steady growth for the future. That being said, when it comes to the steady growth and the salary cap going up, it's not just so that you can keep paying your top players more and more, but it's also so that you can keep other players around that maybe you wouldn't be able to. Like if a certain, like, you know, Alexander Kerford, a three and a half, that's not terrible. But the fact is, it, it the Leafs need to find ways to cut costs. And, you know, they got to make this work. They have to make this work. They have to find a way to they have to find a way to make all these contracts fit. And it's just not possible at times. And that's because top players are demanding more in their salaries. And it's not just Austin Matthews and John Tavares and Mitch Marr. They didn't start this. They're just following the trend of what the Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Jack Eichel. Uh, there are so many players that did this. I mean, it really was Jonathan Taves and I think Patrick Kane that were kind of the first to push the envelope a little bit more in the contracts. But they had the right and they deserved to do it. But th- that's where I'm of the belief that I think the NHL needs to understand that the economic times when the salary cap was put in has totally changed. The, the, the landscape is totally different here. Okay. And that's why I think a hard cap system is not really feasible going forward. You can still have your, your maximum on how much you can pay players. It's the, the NBA has their max contracts. You cannot pay a player more than X amount. And then it allows other players to make decent amount of money. I understand the rosters are smaller and they can pay players less, but you still have your top players making what they should make. And you still have other players not fighting and fighting for what, uh, you know, for their contracts, either they're getting paid a decent amount as well. So final question here, and we've been discussing the Patrick Kane situation. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into this because Mike and I kind of discussed this, but I, I, I do have a little bit of a different opinion about how, a potential trade could work now that I have a little more idea of where the where the Patrick Kane situation is going. Real so this is from um Remax, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Realistically, what do you think a Patrick Kane to Toronto would look like? How much would the Leafs have to give up for Chicago to retain half of his salary? If Kane were to come to Toronto, stay with the Leafs after his contract expires, what would he sign for long term? All three of those are fantastic questions, right? Um, first and foremost, we already know that the Patrick Kane situation is much different than a lot of other star players being traded because he has final say in anything that happens. That's That right there, I think, limits what Chicago gets back. 
because they can't turn around and say, all right, we're going to trade you to a team that's going to give us the best offer. Well, that's not exactly how it's going to work for the Patrick Kane situation. Um, somebody in our, when we had that Patrick Kane discussion, they, um, they actually brought up Claude Giroux as kind of a comparable. Obviously, Patrick Kane is better than Claude Giroux, but I think the situations are quite similar. So Philadelphia got Owen Tippett, a first-round pick, in either the 2024 or the 2025 draft. I think there's the, depending on which one they decide. I can't remember uh, what the condition one exactly was. And they got a third-round pick in 2023 for Claude Giroux. So the Leafs are for sure giving up a first-round pick. Especially, this is going to be likely a trade deadline deal, as we mentioned on the podcast. So first-round pick is definitely happening. Mike brought up William Nylander would have to go the other way. That's a, and I even, I said that that would likely have to be considered because of the salaries and even the fit too, right? You know, Chicago might be able to flip William Nylander or there could be a three team trade involved there, but let's, let's take out William Nylander out of the conversation. I've seen Jake Muzz's name being brought up. I'm not as sold again on Jake Muzzin being moved because he has a no trade clause as well. And if you're finding out that the Leafs are trying to get Patrick Kane, are you going to want to waive your no trade clause? I don't know. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that they're going to have to figure out a way to do first round pick. I think Kerfoot is one of the salary pieces being moved. They're going to have to move another thing of salary. I, I would be prefer preferable to do, you know, Jake Muzzin because the salary, if they, let's say Chicago retained half, uh, Toronto would then only have to really trade Jake Muzzin to make the salary work. It would be ideal that way. And then Kerfoot would have to be moved again if they want to do the, uh, make the salary work for this upcoming season. But, um, like it all depends on what happens with Jake Muzzin. If Jake Muzzin is around, that could be the player to be moved. If it's not Jake Muzzin, it's going to be Alexander Kerfoot. It's going to have to be another another forward involved with that. Um, I'm not too sure which one Chicago would want. Uh, Chicago could then flip Kerfoot to another team if they want to as well. Um, there's going to have to be a lot of moving parts here. I think, yeah, first round pick for sure. Probably another draft pick on top of that. And then, you know... Philly received Tippett, which was a top prospect for Florida, one of their top young players. I think the Leafs are going to have to definitely do that as well. A lot of people are going to say Matthew Nyes. I'd only do Matthew Nyes if I'm getting Patrick Kane to re-sign. That's the key. And the Leafs can get that done because the Leafs can get a contract done with Patrick Kane ahead of time. That's the only case I would move Matthew Nyes. Um because I'm not moving Matthew Nyes for a one-year rental. I think doing those sort of moves, it just the Leafs have done too many of those where they've traded a first-round pick for a rental that doesn't work out. Patch Kane is obviously a different type of rental. Uh, but if, if Matthew Nyes is traded and, and the Leafs get some semblance of a commitment from Patch Kane, I'd be more comfortable doing that. Um, they could also move a guy like Ronnie Hirvonen. Some people brought up Nick Robertson. I don't know if that's going to be appealing enough to Chicago uh, in a Patrick King train. Yeah, they're going to go for Nyes. They wanted Matthew Nyes uh, in the Marc-Andre Fleury deal. I mean, there was uh, this was also to take on 
Um, well, why am I blanking right now? But this was also to take on salary going the other way as well, right? So, like with the Mrazic deal, I'm I I think that was you know Chicago was just trying to maximize its opportunity to get uh, you know assets in return to take on the salary. So, I I trade Matthew Nyes if Kane is around for more than just this season. Uh, I think guys like Kirvanen could be up for the running. I think somebody like, uh, you know, maybe have to look at Niamela as well. Like, you have to give up quality to get quality. I totally get that. Um, now, if Chicago retain half, that's re- the reason why the price would have to go up a lot more. If they don't have to retain as much, if the Leafs can make the salary work, then maybe you don't have to give up mu- as much in return. But again... The Leafs also have to realize that they have, they they have to be in a position, try to get into a position of leverage themselves here, where Florida, I mean Florida, Chicago can't just go ahead and trade Patrick Kane elsewhere just because they don't like the deal as well. So I think that has to be considered as well. And then if he were to return, what would Patrick Kane get in a potential contract? Oh, I I think he's gonna want something. Uh, if he's gonna stay with a contender. Don't 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 get too mad at me on this. I mean, he's not going to sign for over ten. I I don't think so. I don't like he could if he goes to the free agent market. Um, but he's also in his thirties. It's tougher to pay those guys that much. That that much. Like I'm trying to think of who is a good comparable for a Patrick Kane based on age and salary. Like if Getty Malkin, he I believe. His his deal was I'm just looking it up right here. He got he so now Malkin is 36, so he is older, but he's getting 6.1 over the next four years to stay in Pittsburgh. That might be where it starts for Patrick Kane, and then again that means the Leafs are gonna have to do more shuffling to make the salaries work. But I think Patrick Kane could definitely ask for seven. He can ask for eight if he really wanted to. Um. Again, like it's tough to say because we we don't know what Patrick Kane is looking for. If he's just looking to stay and win, then that's something similar to what Gunny uh, Malkin is doing. Then that's what he he could he'd be entitled to ask for. Um, like I don't see maybe it's what Alexander Ovechkin got nine point five. He's getting Ovechkin is getting nine point five over five years. He could definitely ask for that, and that's this is where, if I'm least, I am very very careful about how much you give up, because if this is just a rental, I'm not moving Matthew Nice. You can do the first round pick. You can do some other prospects, and considering you're also going to have to subtract from your roster, I wouldn't do Matthew Nice if. You know for a fact that you're not resigning Patrick Kane going forward. I know that Spin Chicklets, uh, Paul Bissonnette said that he would take a no a hometown discount. Yes, I know Toronto's not his hometown. I think the whole point is he's saying if he wants to stay in a good situation, maybe he consider taking less. But I think he will command a lot on the free agent market, and he knows that, and he's not just going to do a lot of teams a huge favor by taking a lot less than what he's worth. So I think the Leafs have to be very, very, very careful on that. 
All right, that's going to do that. Do it for us on today's show. Hey, thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content every day. We're going to be going back to five shows later in September. We're still going to be doing three for now. Uh, Mike should be back next week. Monday is a holiday, so I think we're going to be more of the middle of the week to getting back uh, to our next episode. So make sure you go follow myself on Twitter at D underscore Morisuti. Follow Mike on at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow the show at Locked on Lease. We'll be back with another episode sometime midweek next week. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Lease.